0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the return of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. We are very excited to be back with you guys after our month-long hiatus. We really appreciate everybody's support, and uh, you're tuning in and waiting patiently for us to return. I am, of course, your host, Zach Van Norman, and I am joined by my other co-host, Amy Hood. Hello, Amy Dolly.
2: Hello, Dolly. How are you?
1: I'm doing fabulous. I'm actually sipping some apple juice out of a, a, a Snow White mug, so I'm uh, doing quite well. Of course
2: you are. I'm so excited. Like, I'm surprised that my dog isn't reacting to the high-pitched squeal that I let out right before I called in to talk to you. I have missed you so much, and I've missed talking to everybody in the chat room. Oh, my gosh. You guys, I you have no idea. Zach and I have been talking about how much we, we missed everyone, and now we get to come back with San Diego Comic-Con, and, and it's such a good week.
1: Yeah, all kinds of news. Um, it was an amazing weekend for sure. Uh, we're going to have all of that stuff coming up for you guys a little bit later on in the show. Um, so, if you'll remember, we had made a couple of announcements that we were going to be revamping the format of the podcast, and I did put some details of that on our Facebook page. We had a little bit on Twitter, too, but just want to let you guys know here live on the show exactly what we're going to be doing. So, um, as you guys all know, if you're a regular listener, or, and if you're new to the show, then welcome. Uh, we're just going to give you a little bit of a history lesson here. Um, we have wanted to do <laughs> a lot more... Yeah, once upon a time, there was a podcast. No, okay. So so, um, basically what happened was um, over the last several months that we've been doing this, we have really wanted to have more fan interaction and have more people calling into the podcast. But because of technical errors or, you know, one thing after another – We didn't really get that to happen as much as we wanted to, and that was part of the reason for revamping the podcast, because we want to make sure that we are the fan's voice, and we want to make sure that we get more of your interaction in there. So in doing that, this is how we're revamping the podcast. As you guys are aware, and if you're new, this is how it works, we do our regular news roundup at the start of every show, letting you guys know all the latest news and so forth. Then we normally would get into our um, episode discussion and kind of go beat by beat of what was happening. The way that we're changing it up now is that we're actually going to be opening up the last 15 minutes of each podcast for audience questions. So that's the time that we want you guys to call in and discuss something that we, you know, are talking about on the podcast, or if you want to make a point about something that we missed, that's the point that we want you guys to call. So um, that's going to be how we proceed after this podcast episode. We're going to have the last 15 minutes be open to you guys, and we're going to make sure that the call-in number is in the chat room, on our Facebook page, on the Twitter account, and everything else. As far as this episode of the podcast, we do have a lot that we're, you know, a lot that we have to cover, a lot going on, um, just because it was Comic-Con weekend and it's our first show back and we have a lot of news that we want to catch everybody up on too. But we still want to have your interaction. So if you guys have any questions for me as far as, you know, what Comic-Con was like or if you have any just kind of general once upon a time questions, if you need some information, we're going to be opening up the last 20 minutes of the show for that. So if you don't get to call, you know, if we make a point and you want to talk about it, make sure that you make a note of it to yourself and you don't forget so that later on you can give us a call at the end of the show and we can talk about, you know, what you guys want to talk about. The call-in number is um, 347 677 1653 and I'll repeat that for you guys. It's 347 677 1653. And again, I'm just going to reiterate, we're not going to be opening up the uh, the calling board for until the last 20 minutes of the podcast. So don't call quite yet cuz we're not we're not ready for audience discussion. That's going to come later on. But we're very much looking forward to talking to you guys about it and we really want you to call and get some interaction in there. So please don't be shy. It's just a regular phone call. It's like regular people sitting around talking about Once Upon a Time, just like you would with your friends in your own living room if you're watching the show. So uh, that's the number. And, again, the last 20 minutes of the show, that's when we're going to talk to you guys. Um, We do have a two-hour podcast tonight as well because of the fact that we have so much news and because, you know, we have so much to catch up on. And it's our return show back, so we want to make sure that we have a lot of, you know, a lot of time to discuss everything that we need to talk about and kind of let you guys know what's going to be going on. So,
2: would absolutely. that absolutely. I did want to mention too, uh, Zach mentioned how at you know every podcast we're going to open at the end for you guys to call in. Me and Zach have talked before, and I know a lot of the fans are kind of shy about being on a podcast or talking live. So we actually have an email too, and if you have questions or things that you want brought up or discussed, you can email those too. And then if we don't have, you know, the callers and we have the end of the show period there, we can always talk about it, and Zach and I can bring it up at the end of the show. So, Zach, do you want to give out that email real quick before we hop on?
1: Yeah, our email address is OUAF, which stands for Once Upon a Fan. So, OUAFpodcast at com, And that's going to be the address that you're going to want to go to so that we can See all your email questions because, like Amy said, we understand that you guys are shy. So, if you do want to mail, you know, email us your questions, that's totally fine. Um, I will be checking our email during the show to see what kind of questions we have going on. So, please send them in to us because we do want to hear from you guys. All right, so here we go. God, this is so exciting! I'm so excited to be back doing the podcast. I'm so stoked.
0: know. Uh,
1: I so I've, I've really missed doing the podcast. I've missed you, Amy. I, more importantly, I really missed all of our, our listeners who are participating in the chat room, uh, people like Sarah Benedict and Peter Pizza. Um, you know, really glad to have you guys back with us. I see you guys in the chat room there. So really, really happy to have you guys all joining. Um, yes. So, yeah, so let's go ahead and get right on into this. So the first thing that we have to talk about is – um, if you recall, before we um, took our own little hiatus here, we were doing summer survival lists, and even though we here on the podcast took a break, those hiatus lists, you know, to survive, how to, basically how to survive the summer hiatus, they did continue on. Um, we did post a bunch of them during the break on the main Once Upon a Fan page, and we'll be adding those to the, uh, to the podcast Facebook page here shortly, and uh, one of the photo albums that we're going to be putting together. So just want to make sure that we catch everybody up. We're not going to be going through the summer hiatus survival list um, individually because the amount of characters that we have gone through is pretty extensive <laughs> and it take a long time to go through them all. But we're just going to let you know which characters we have done already so you can keep an eye out for those. Um, part of the goal of doing the summer hiatus list was that we wanted you guys to email us if you did any of these things in your own way to kind of bring the spirit of Once Upon a Time and the Hiatus into your own life. So, so far, we have done uh, the Blue Fairy. We had a list for Snow White, as well as one for Prince Charming. We went with our wonderful, you know, redemption villain hero mixes, Rumpelstiltskin and Regina. Uh, We did for Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Uh, We did a list for Hook. We did one for the Wicked Witch Zelina. We did one for Team Seven, which is all the seven dwarves. And we also did one for Belle. Um, so that is a lot of summer hiatus lists to go through, and each list has 10 different items on it, 10 different ways that that character would probably recommend that you survive the summer with. So, again, if you want to reenact any of those of your own, send us pictures of those. We would love to see them, um, because, that, I mean, we would, we love seeing what you want can come up with, and, you know, yeah, we just like seeing your pictures. We did get a few of them, too, as far as, you know, um, how to, you know, slaying a dragon and things like that, so i um, pretty excited about that. So please send us those pictures. You can send them to either the Once Upon a Fan email, which is onceuponatimefans at gmail.com, or you can send it to the podcast email, which is ouafpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So um, let me see. So that's what we did for the summer hiatus list. Those were all the characters that we did. And of course, in the middle of all this summertime hiatus for the podcast, we had a bunch of news come through, including, thankfully, the fall premiere date for season four. And Amy, I believe you have that date for us, darling.
2: I do, and I am counting the days, but we finally got the tweet, the official tweet from ABC and Adam saying that the season four premiere is going to be September 28th. And I have seen so many people literally doing a daily countdown on Twitter. It's fantastic. Everybody's so excited. September is right around the corner. We're getting into August now, so September 28th will be here before we know it.
1: Absolutely. It's only two months away now. Um, really not that far. On the whole, we've already been without the show for two months, so we're halfway through the summer hiatus. Everybody, congratulations on making it this far. <laughs> we
0: have
1: re- we have reached the peak, and we are now going down the valley. And we're going to be getting our show in just over two months' time. Very excited for that because, of course, there's a lot of very exciting things coming to the show, as we all know. Um, other than the premiere date, of course, we also had a lot of summertime birthdays that happened, particularly in July, which is, I mean, well, I guess that's the only month that we were on hiatus for, huh? So it makes sense <laughs> we're not going to be, which makes sense we're not going to talk about the August birthdays, of course. So we did have some birthdays in July. Um, Jane Espenson's birthday was July 14th. Mm-hmm. Lana Paria's birthday was July 15th. Jeffrey Kaiser, who plays Dopey, his birthday was July 17th. And Lee Ehrenberg, who plays Grumpy and Leroy, his birthday was July 18th. So we want to wish a belated happy birthday to those four individuals, uh, wishing you lots of love and hope you guys had really excellent birthdays and had a good time.
2: And somebody else's birthday was this month, too. And it was our very own Zach Van Norman. So, happy, happy birthday to you, Zach. I saw all your pictures. Zach had a fantastic Disney birthday. So, happy birthday to you, Zach.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I I did have a wonderful um, birthday. I was able to go to Disneyland. I feel very fortunate. Um, My friend Lori Hancock and her sister, uh, Robin, were able to – arranged that for me, and I am very grateful to the two of them for giving me such a magical birthday gift. I am very, very grateful and very humbled by their generosity as well, I must say, too. So just want to quickly acknowledge my friends and thank them for helping me have an awesome birthday. And thank you all for birthday wishes, too. I did get um, some birthday greetings from a lot of Oncers, including people who listen to the podcast. So thank you all for your birthday wishes, too. Appreciate it. Um, moving on from that, though, because I don't want to harp on too much about my birthday. Cause it's a real- it's not about me here. Um, we have had a ton of casting news for season four. Um, as everybody knows, Frozen is coming to Once Upon a Time because Storybook has Frozen over. And yes. pretty much we've had a lot of characters that were announced, I mean, pretty much all of them that we're going to see, I think, now. And this news is actually, some of it has happened, you know, about over the last couple of weeks. Some of it has actually happened just today. So um, we've right. got some break news and some news that's already been established. So uh, you're probably all already aware of this, but Georgina Haig has been cast as Elsa, and Elizabeth Lail has been cast as Anna. And the two of them really do look like their characters, and they do look like sisters, actually. It's kind of it's crazy how well of a job Veronica Collins Rooney has done once again in casting these characters. Um, yes. And then we've also got uh, we've got some male characters that are coming, too. We've got three of them, and I believe Amy has some information on that.
2: Yes. Well, originally, uh, the first one we got was that Kristoff was coming. So we've known that for a little bit, and that's Scott Michael Foster, who was cast as Kristoff. And then just our most recent news was that Hans was coming. Tyler Jacob Moore has been cast as Hans. So. That's going to definitely be interesting because for those of you familiar with Frozen, you know his characters and all that it's cracked up to be. So I'm really curious to see the twists and and how they're going to play out the Frozen story, especially with Hans. And my very very favorite casting news tidbit from all of this is that John Rhys Davies has been cast as the lovable fabulous troll. Is it Pabby or P? I believe it's Pabby. It's
0: Pabby. It's
2: Pabby. It's Pabby. I am so excited because I love him. Not just the troll. I love the actor. I love John Rhys-Davies. You guys know him. If you don't know his name, you know him from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the series. He played Indiana Jones' best friend, Salah. He was in Lord of the Rings, the series, and... You guys know what a huge, huge Lord of the Rings fan I am. Plus, oh, my gosh. I don't know. He's been in a lot of things, and he's fantastic, and I absolutely adore him, and I'm so, so glad that he has been added to the show. I think he's going to be fantastic.
1: Me too. Um, It's funny because when you said I absolutely love him and you were talking about John Rhys-Davies, I both love John Rhys-Davies as well as Tabby the Troll. So I am, uh, I am very excited about that. And what also excites me is the fact that, that there are, they are bringing the Rock Trolls into the storyline on Once Upon a Time. I am excited about the fact that they are broadening the scope of characters and bringing in more of a mythical character in that way. Uh, I think that's very exciting. And because of the potential that it has to include, you know, other mythological characters that we've seen that we're familiar with, not only in Disney movies, but also throughout other forms of literature Um, you know different stories different creatures you know like it it makes me think of things like centaurs um you know i mean just all kinds of things so i'm very very excited about what this could possibly mean for um more mythical creatures coming to the show
2: yes me too dragons maybe because I have talked a million times about how badly I want to get back into some more Maleficence and story with all that. But I I agree. I think that that could definitely bode well. And people are mentioning, Sarah in the chat room is mentioning, that they have, that they they like his voice. I love his voice, too. I think he's he's up there close with, like, Alan Rickman for me, because I've talked before about, like, how I'd like to have Alan Rickman just narrate my life. So I I love his voice. I think he's going to be great. And then the one last casting tidbit. Do you want to give that one out, Zach, for all of the Lost fans who are also once fans or very excited oh, yeah. about the last tidbit of casting?
1: Oh yes, right. Because I am equally as excited. Elizabeth Mitchell <laughs> will be coming to the show in a role that they have not said who she's playing with. Like she's not. They haven't said yet who she's actually going to be playing. However. Um, there's been, there was a question posed to Adam and Eddie whether or not she was playing Anna and Elsa's mother or if she was playing the Snow Queen, and they did say that it was one or the other. And uh, it pretty much was confirmed in the clip that they showed at Comic-Con, well, I mean, it, well, it seems like it at least, that Elsa and Anna's mother is, like, for sure gone. She's dead. So that basically leaves us with, you know, the Snow Queen from the uh, actual fairy tale. Uh, of course the movie Frozen was based on the Hans Christian um Hans Han, I can say this Hans Christian Andersen story <laughs> thank you um the snow queen I wish it was it uh, was loosely adapted from that because it it does not really bear any similar I mean it bears no resemblance at all to the original fairy tale um however the fact that they are bringing the snow queen in as a totally separate character from Elsa is pretty exciting to me because it makes me wonder if they're going to do the you know, the actual Snow Queen storyline itself, which is, you know, it's a little bit of a darker fairy tale. So, um, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, of course, she could be playing somebody else. That is always a possibility that, there, that she's playing somebody that, they have, that we haven't guessed yet. But, I mean, just between you and me and the wall here, I think that she's playing the Snow Queen. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And as Amy mentioned, she was on Lost, uh, one of the more popular characters there. She's a great actor. She's been in a lot of different shows. I, I think she was on the, the uh, short-lived series V on ABC yeah, as well. Was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think she was, she was the main character there. So uh, I'm really excited for Elizabeth Mitchell to be coming to the show. Uh, really excited for them to finally say who she is, um, even though I think it's a Snow Queen. And there is one other bit of casting news that, that – is notable because of the absence of this character. Um, Adam and Eddie did confirm that Olaf the snowman will not be appearing in the storyline as a character. Now, that doesn't mean that at some point Anna and Elsa aren't going to go build a snowman, or that even that his name might not, you know, they may very well drop his name at some point in an episode, that he is not going to be a regular character featured in the show. I know a lot of people are disappointed about that, um, I was one of them at first, but taking a look at the movie, if, unless they could get Josh Gad, who actually voiced Olaf, I don't want Olaf on the show, um, because with Olaf, I mean, his voice is everything. I mean, if you think back to his little laugh that he has, the little, <laughs> like, nobody else <laughs> could do that except Josh Gad, really. So, I'm pretty happy that they're not going to bring Olaf in just because, you know, he's a he's a really special little character. A lot of people hold him very close and dear to their heart, and I'm one of them. So I'm I'm kind of happy about the fact that they're not bringing Olaf in.
2: Yes, I agree with Sarah in the chat room. She said that she hopes Mr. Gold has a little stuffed snowman or something in the pawn shop. I think that would be fantastic. And Erin agrees with you, too. She said that she's happy with Olaf, um, would like a reference or two, but, you know, not just flat out in the show. And Angie does too. I think that's that's the general consensus. A lot of people, I don't know. He's a very special character, and I think it would be very difficult to transition him into anything other than what he is because of how he brings so much to the film Frozen. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not really upset that they're not bringing him in because I love Olaf too. I think he's so I tell you all the time, my favorite line is, I don't have a skull or any bones. So, yeah, I just, I don't think he would transition it.
1: Yeah, my actually, my it's funny. My favorite line of of OAuth is when they're going, it says, all right, we're on our way to see Hans. Who is this Hans? Um <laughs> I, I, I love I love that little snowman. I love him so much, and I really am happy that they're not bringing him on because I, I want to keep him where he is as an animated character. Right? That's just that's just how I prefer my Olaf. So, <laughs> with that in mind, time, dear onesirs, for us to get into ah. the discussion, what happened at San Diego Comic Con. So, um. I'm going to get some. make sure that I take a sip here of, of my apple juice because uh, I've got a lot to talk about. So um, let, me just, let me just do that really quick here. Make sure I have enough. Okay. All right. So um, Comic-Con started on Wednesday, July 23rd. That was preview night, and I was not actually at preview night because I was elsewhere. Um, I got to Comic-Con on Thursday morning. Thursday, oh, no, excuse me, Thursday afternoon. And I was really busy right away um, because I had to – I was. let me back up a little bit. I was doing the press room on Saturday for Once Upon a Time. Most of you who are following the podcast, and if you follow Once Upon a Time fans, then you're aware of that. Um, However, I wasn't just doing press for um, Once Upon a Time fans um, or Once Upon a Fan. I was also doing press for another uh, media outlet, Blog Critics. And so I went to the Toy Story that Time Forgot press room uh toy story The time forgot is a new animated special it's half hour special that's premiering on abc december 2nd at eight o'clock and it focuses on the characters of rex and trixie which are the two dinosaur characters and um i yeah it was really it it, it is going to be really good um i talked to steve purcell who is the director of this short he also directed the movie brave so if any of you are familiar with that, which I'm sure most of you are, then you'll know some of his work there. He also worked on Cars, though he was not the director. He did work on Cars. So um, it was very exciting to get to talk to him, not only as a Disney Pixar fan, but also as an aspiring film production student um, who has an interest in doing animated movies. Um, it was just really nice to talk to him for a second and you know ask him about what it's like to uh, to work on an animated feature and... Um, eliminate story points and do, you know, kind of really nail down exactly what they're going to do beforehand. Because with animation, unlike live action movies, you know, if you film a live action movie and something isn't working, then you can just cut it out or you can even just refilm it. With animation, particularly CG, because of the length of time that it takes to render all the characters and the environments and, and lighting and things like that, sometimes they even have to invent new software for them to do what they need to do. They don't have that luxury. So they have to eliminate story points and really nail down what they're doing very early on. Um, and that was just a really interesting discussion. And I did get into, uh, into that with them a little bit. Um, my write-up on that press room will be appearing on Blog Critics here soon, so you can find more information about that there. But um, these things take a long time to, uh, to come into play. They've been working on this for a few years. So it's not like just some random idea that they thought they would work on at the beginning of this year or something like that. They've been working on it for a few years now. Uh, So I find that very interesting because of the fact that that means that they could be working on a new short right now that we won't see for a couple of years. So, you know, I I thought that was pretty cool. Um, It was a great opportunity. I also got to meet with Christian Schall. Um, You are definitely familiar with her voice, all of you, because she voices not only Trixie, the the Triceratops, in Toy Story 3. But she also voices the ape in uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. And she um, she's voiced another character, and it's escaping me right now. I could totally shoot myself in the foot for it. But she, she is well-known for her voice, and she starred in the movie Butter, which is a live-action movie. So um, that was really fun, too. And then uh, what I did after that was I went down to the ABC booth, which was down on the convention center floor. And I did see a, a number of people that I knew in the a community, including our, our dear friend, Angie Konisberg. Um, she was there, and I actually met with her on Wednesday, too, at at, uh, at Disneyland for my birthday. I I met with her at the park. So it was nice to spend some weekend time with Angie. I do love you, my dear. Um, when we uh, – Sarah, are you saying no more please as far as people being related to Henry? I think you are. Yeah, that's um, what she said. It's, 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 in the chat room, everyone is talking about how everyone is related to Henry and Sarah, is saying no more, please. Um, which I agree. Although I will say this, as far as Henry fa- Henry's family tree goes, I still want to know who Charming's dad was and who Rumple's mom was. That, I'm just saying, mm. like, those are the yeah. they're two characters in the fa- in the Charming family tree. Although it's really the Charming Stiltskin Mills family tree now i suppose
3: um nolan
1: nolan too i guess like is her is, is snow's name in storybook mary margaret nolan now instead of blanchard like these are things that i'm curious about so um anyways that, these, are the, these are these are the things that i these are the these are the dying questions that i want to know so anyways um i went down to the abc booth down on the convention floor the abc booth this year was a castle uh, if you were following any of Comic-Con stuff last year or the D23 convention, then you are aware that last year the booth was a replica of the Jolly Roger um, because, of course, we were going to Neverland to save Henry. Um, last year, though, they were only talking about Once Upon a Time at ABC. They didn't really have any other, any other shows going on. This year, though, is quite different. Um, they had four other shows that they were talking about besides um, Once Upon a Time. Just as far as what was the banners that were hanging on the outside of the castle. In addition to that, they were also showing previews for two new shows that are coming out later on in the future that uh, that they didn't even have a banner up for. So altogether, there were seven different shows going out, six or seven different shows being discussed at the ABC booth this year. Um, Now, along with that, at the booth, um, they had a set of five pins. uh, They were collector's pins just like they did last year, only last year they were all related to Once Upon a Time. This year, those pins were, there was one for each one of the shows. So there was a Once Upon a Time pin, there was a pin for Resurrection, there was a pin for Toy Story of the Time Forgot, there was a pin for a new show called The Quest, as well as a new show called Gallivant. And I want to take a second to talk about those new shows really quickly because ABC has some exciting new programming coming up that I think is... I mean, it's every one of those shows. They look really interesting to me. They've caught my attention, and I can't wait for it. Um, the first one, of course, is Gallivant. Now, if you are unfamiliar with this one, um, let me just tell you what it's about. It is a live-action musical comedy, which is going to take the place of Once Upon a Time during the winter hiatus, um, because once again, season four is going to be split in half, and unlike last year, where you know, Wonderland was supposed to go in the middle and they'd schedule it for a different night. This year they are going to put Gallivant in for the, for the, uh, for the hiatus. Gallivant is the story of a knight named Gallivant and his true love, Madalena, is kidnapped by the evil King Richard, and he has to go and save her, to, you know, and try to get her back. And I don't feel bad, in, and I, I guess I'll put a spoiler alert out if you don't want to know this information already, but it is in the, uh, you know, it's out there in the commercials and everything, so what I'm about to say isn't too bad of a spoiler because it's already released, but since you probably haven't heard about it yet, I will issue a spoiler warning in case you want to plug your ears. When, when, uh, when Galavant goes to King Richard and Maddalena's wedding day, she actually chooses to stay with the king instead of going with Galavant. And it leaves him a totally broken man until another princess arrives and she needs him to go save her people. And that's the basic premise of the show. Like I said, it is a musical comedy and it's live action. So it's, um, it looks hilarious. Some of the music that they were playing just for the commercial had some lyrics that were PG-13 um, and... And they really were hilarious. Uh, Like, on one of them, the king is singing about how he wants to stab Gallivant in the eye. He's like, I want to stab him in the eye. I want to liberate his head from his neck and watch the blood squirt sky high. Like, it's really, I mean, he's singing so happy about murdering this person. It's hilarious. Like, the juxtaposition of those two things, I mean, it's hilarious. Um, the composer and the man who's writing the music for this show is Alan Menken. And you may be familiar with him because he is a Disney staple. Um, he worked on Beauty and the Beast and a fair number of other movies that are escaping me right yeah. now, just because my brain is still on overload. But Alan Menken is a <laughs> genius and he is the one writing the music. So i um, very excited about that. Once again, it is uh, premiering for the, Winter hiatus. We don't have a date on it yet because we don't quite know the episode schedules and how it's going to work for Once Upon a Time yet. We don't know when the hiatus is going to start. But look for that to be coming this winter. Um, yes, yeah, thank you very much, Aaron Van Quill, in the chat room, telling me that he also worked on The Little Mermaid. Little
0: um,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes, and it is. I see a comment in the chat room that it's very Monty Python-esque. That is very true. Um, very true. And I will also say this from watching the commercials. This show has some really good production values. They're not messing around. The costumes are on par with what Eduardo Castro has created for Once Upon a Time. They are of that quality. And the nice thing about this show is that unlike Once Upon a Time, um, the stuff that's medieval is not CG. They actually built these sets. They built the village that he lives in. They built the rooms in the castle that they're you know, interacting in. They built castle hallways and things like that. So it's not green screen. It's actually live action stuff. Looks really, really good. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean it just as, uh, as our dear friend Ashley is saying in the, uh, in the chat room, the locations look excellent. Yes, they do. And Ashley, I'm so glad to, uh, to see that you're joining us in the chat room today. Um, just so everybody knows, too, um, our staff member, Ashley Benson, she's a newer staff member, she was at San Diego Comic-Con with me, and she will be calling us at the top of the hour to share her experience on everything that was going on um, and to kind of share her point of view. Um, Aaron Van Quill is asking in the chat room Do we know where it was filmed We don't know where it was filmed yet Um, I'm guessing maybe possibly Canada But I can't be too sure about that But trust me when I say That this show has some very high production values The sets are amazing The costumes look great The music is hilarious It's excellent Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to the show Uh, If you like Disney movies It's basically going to be a live action Disney movie musical and that is totally my bag. I know that that's not necessary for everybody. <laughs> some people like some people like a little bit more of an adult, um, of an adult edge on right, you know, right. what they watch on TV, and that's fine because it's not necessarily meant for everybody. But this show does look very exciting, so it I'm so excited. It about looks that.
2: funny. The locations look great, and it 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 looks really, really. The humor looks really cheeky and just you know, just it does remind me of Spam a lot. And I love, love, love Alan Menken. He, that man can do no wrong. You know, like we said, Little Mermaid, oh, I can't even, uh, that music was fantastic. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that that show is going to kind of be a great fit with the ONCE community. I think that's going to be something that people like a lot.
1: Absolutely. And for those of you who are in the chat room, I just posted a link to the trailer for the show. Uh, it's, about a, uh, it's about three minutes long, three and a half minutes long, which is a little bit long for a trailer. But you will see exactly what I'm talking about as far as the quality of, you know, the production values, the music that's involved. It gives you an idea of the story as well. Um, definitely check that out because if you, if you watch this trailer, you're going to see exactly what I mean. Um, and, it, it look, I mean, it just looks hilarious. It really does. Um, I really, I, I so can't wait for Gallivant to be coming out. Um, the other show, one of the other shows that they're talking about is The Quest. And The Quest actually premieres this Thursday, uh, July 31st at 8 p.m. on ABC. And it is a, it's a reality, it's a, how do I describe it? It's a fantasy-based <laughs> reality show competition, if you will. So think like, think Survivor meets Once Upon a Time. Yes. And I I don't like reality shows,
2: but I'm so excited for the quest. I can't even tell you. I'm going to live tweet this Thursday, which, by the way, for the other Harry Potter nerds, this Thursday is July 31st, which is Harry Potter's birthday. So, you know, yay, have a (laughs) butterbeer. But I'm... This show, all the promos of it, this is what it reminds me of. I, I don't really care for reality TV. I'll just say that right out there. But this is like, it it looks like someone took all those fantastic stories and movies and shows that I love, like Lord of the Rings and Once Upon a Time, and dropped people into them. So, yes, it is a reality competition show, but it's merged. It's not just the competitors. There are actors. There are sets. There are actually... They had to go through training. It's uh, Ashley said it looks a lot like live-action role-playing, and it, it does. It's, I'm yes. so excited about the quest. So I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what you saw at the castle when you went there because that's probably the show, other than ones coming up, that I'm definitely most excited for.
1: I am very excited for it, too. It's being produced by Mark Ordesky and Rob Eric, mm-hmm. among other people. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar – uh, Rob Ordesky actually helps produce the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So um, just just want to let you guys know that. Um,
2: Mark, I mean, he, Mark what <laughs> You I, said Rob. Sorry. Oh, well, that's like,
1: we'll, just, we'll just combine the two producers into we'll one combine person.
2: combine
1: them. And my gosh. Sorry, Mark and Rob, if you ever hear that. My apologies. Yeah, so it's Mark <laughs> Ordesky. He is the one who is, uh, he helped produce the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and it really does, I mean, it looks awesome. It looks, I mean, it's exactly the kind of reality show that I've wanted, but I don't think I realized that I wanted it. Like, it wasn't until I saw the commercial that I realized that it's about time somebody made this show. I mean, I've, wow. I, like, it's, i mean, it's like a no-brainer. I don't know why nobody, you know, thought of it before. So, kudos to the producers and to ABC for bringing this to us, because It really does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's not even just that it's, like, live-action role play. Like, it's not just learning how to sword fight and joust. They have mythical creatures, like people, you know, who are dressed like creatures, and they have to figure out how to, you know, get out of situations. And it looks like there might be some simulated magic going on and things like that. It just looks so cool. Um, Right. I'm really really excited for it. Again, it premieres this Thursday on ABC at 8 o'clock. Check your local listings for your channel. Um, but it's going to be, I could tell it's going to be really good. Um, it's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. I am excited. If you like that kind of thing, if you're into role play, if you're into fantasy, if you're into reality shows, this is the show for you, absolutely. I really think that the Once or Community might actually get a kick out of this reality show more than they would any other just because of what it is. And Amy, you're not into reality shows, so you can agree with me or disagree with me if you want.
2: I absolutely agree with you because I, I'm not like I mentioned earlier. I, I don't really care for reality shows. I've never been into reality competition shows or anything like that. But from the first commercials I saw for this one, I thought this was such a great idea. The old, I did like I don't know. Those of you might remember last year there was a reality show called Who Done It, and I did watch that show because I thought that was really creative too but this, the quest seems like it's not like anything I've ever seen done before. So I think the the whole premise of it is so unique and I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to live tweet the East Coast and I think you're going to try, you said you'd try and live tweet the West Coast of the episode. Yep. I'm not going to give out any spoilers because I don't know if people are going to start getting eliminated the first week or how it's going to work, but it just I mean, it literally looks like if you get picked to be on this show. And at Comic-Con, they were auditioning people to be on season two. So that was something I'm really curious because I know that you saw that process, like exactly what they were looking for, because this, I can only imagine getting dropped into, like, you know, my favorite books or, you know, somebody's like, hey, you want to come play in Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or you know, you want to come do this? I mean, what a great idea this is. I think it's going to be fantastic.
1: Yeah, for anybody who's ever wanted to go to the Enchanted Forest or, you know, Lord of the Rings or kind of, you know, participate in that world, this is completely the show for you. And Amy is correct. They were doing auditions for the second season of the show. Um, I actually did audition myself just for fun. Um, so who knows? I mean, I doubt that I'll get picked, really. But I did it just for fun because, you know, I mean, why not? It was there. So, you know, take, take the leap, right, guys? Take the leap. Take a chance. Just do it. And, uh, they, you know, they just ask you some questions and on camera and had you sign a waiver and stuff, and that's pretty much it. And they ask you, you know, what kind of fantasy, you know, like why do you think you'd be good on the show and things like that. You know, so who knows? Um, but, yeah, they did have an audition process, and regardless of, you know, whoever gets on it, I'm really excited to watch the show. I'm pretty stoked. It just looks really cool. Um, so those are the two newer shows that they have coming out. And, of course, you know, Resurrection, they were obviously talking about that, the show that stars Omar Epps and uh, Kurtwood Smith and uh, Francis Fisher, among other people. Um, and then, of course, you know, Toy Story of the Time Forgot, which I mentioned earlier. But they were also running some promos for two other shows that are coming out that have really piqued my interest and really got me excited. Um, One of them is a show called Forever. And it's a show about a a man who is 200 years old and he can't die. And And basically every time he gets killed, he comes back to life. And so he's living now in current day New York City as a forensic examiner trying to figure out why he's still alive. And, he's try- and so he studies people and, you know, their deaths and things like that in order to understand why he is still, you know, alive. Um, it looks really, really interesting. The promo that they were running, it looks pretty good. Um, it's something that, that I think some people might kind of get into. It actually stars a couple of people that you're probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, um, the, the, the main actor of the show is Ian Gruff, and I don't know how to say his last name, but it's Ian Gruff, I think. Um, my apologies, sir, if I am butchering your last name, which I imagine that I am. Uh, <laughs> you would know him from the Fantastic Four movies. He played Mr. Fantastic. He played Reed yes. Richards. That's where you would know him from. It yes. also stars Alana De La Garza, and she was on Law & Order, some of the more recent seasons before it got canceled. She was one of the attorneys. So it's those two on this, and then also one of the guys who works in, um, who works in the office with the main character, uh, I think his name is, uh, I think it's Donnie. Anyway, it's the guy from Avatar, the movie Avatar. Um, the, uh, the guy who, you know, he's there at the beginning, and then at the end, he, like his Avatar died, and he kind of came out of the machine, kind of like freaking out a little bit, you know, the nerdy guy. He's in it too. And I think that, I mean, that guy, his performance really kind of stood out to me in Avatar as it was. And I'm glad to see him in another project, because even then, the actor kind of had me interested in who he was. So, yeah, that show is coming out, too. But the show that has really, really got me going is this new show called The Whispers. The Whispers is a show about, it's basically little kids are hearing voices that are making them do things, and when like they're you know like, they hear imaginary friends, and everyone thinks, oh, it's just your imaginary friend, until people start dying. Yeah. like uh, for for like the the main promo that they have out right now, it um it's so super creepy. This little girl basically um she has her mom step. She's up in a treehouse, and she has her mom step on a certain spot that you know the the voice her friend told her to have her mom step on and the mom falls through the floor and she dies and that's basically how the show is going to kick off um it looks incredibly creepy and i'm going to actually post the preview for that show as well in the chat room right now and we are going to post all of the previews for these shows on the podcast page as well just because they look really really good um And since we've been sitting here talking about it, we want you guys to see what we're, you know, what we're talking about and everything. So we'll be posting those later on online for anybody who is listening to the podcast when we're not live and if you're not in the chat room so that you can see it too so that you know what we're talking about. But The Whispers looks so super creepy. Um, Yes. I mean, super creepy. Amy, I sent you the trailer just before we started the podcast and you watched it. What do you think of it, doll?
2: I am, this is. I'm I'm with Erin in the chat room. This is yet another show I'm going to have to watch. I've got it on my list now. Anytime there are children involved, whether it's ghosts or whatever it is, it's going to be creepy. So the creepiest part of this whole trailer is that you see these kids and there's this, you know, really light music in the background. And they're looking off talking to, you know, individually in different scenes to their imaginary friends, quote unquote, or whatever they are. And they're like, yeah, I want to play a game. What are the rules? Okay. And, you know, you don't hear it or see it. And the part you talked about in the treehouse in the promo, oh, my gosh, as the mom's climbing the ladder, the little girl, it flashes to her in the treehouse, and she's looking into empty space, and she's like, okay, she's coming. (laughs) And so, oh, oh my God, the whole commercial promo looked so creepy. It's definitely something I'm going to watch. I don't think it's one the kids are going to watch, so this is probably for our adult once I, I think this is going to be a little too creepy for kids, but I had not even heard of this show before you showed me the promo, and it's, our, it's definitely on my must-watch list. So when we get a premiere date, uh, we'll make sure that we let everybody know, because so that'll definitely be one that I'm going to put on the list to watch.
1: Yeah, let me reiterate the fact that this show is not for kids. It is yeah. not for kids. Even though kids are on it, it is not for kids. Like, don't even bother. It's not, don't even bother. Put the kids to bed and then watch the whispers, <laughs> because otherwise you're going to have some freaked out little kids dealing, that you're going to have to deal with all night, and it's not going to be a free situation. And we don't want you to be stressed out. We don't want your kids to be traumatized because of invisible voices or anything like that. So please do not watch that show with your children, because it is not kid-friendly from what I can see. Okay. I'm just putting that out there, everybody. <laughs> Not at so all. don't say we didn't warn you. Don't say we didn't warn you because it, in, it looks intensely creepy. So, um, but anyways, the, so back to the cast and everything. All of these shows look fantastic. They really do. Mm-hmm. I have never been so excited about a lineup of shows coming in a long time, especially from one network. So I'm really, really excited about what they're going to be doing with all of these, and I can't wait to get all the premiere dates and everything. I did post the, uh, the trailer for Forever and The Whispers in, and Gallivant in our chat room. Once again, we'll be posting those on the Facebook page too, so you guys can see it if you're not you know, listening live or in the chat room. Um, but definitely consider taking a look at those and decide for yourself whether or not you're going to watch it, because I am so behind like these shows, especially The Whispers. um i'm I'm very excited about it so i'm stoked for all of them and back to the pins now because i mentioned earlier that they had pins for everyone in the shows if you collected all five pins then you won a wristband and the wristband got you into the autograph session on saturday for the once upon a time cast so after the panel on saturday they came down to the booth and they did autographs and that was the point of collecting all the pins um at least for the people who wanted you know who wanted the autographs for myself i wasn't so concerned about the autograph session um really for me it wasn't a big deal so i and i would much rather i mean i didn't want to take anybody's spot because i didn't you know it just didn't seem fair i didn't really i'm not concerned about getting the autographs i'd much rather have a one for um who wanted the autographs to get in so um i did not I did not manage to collect all of the pins, and I'm very, very sad about it. I ended up getting all four pins, but I got, two, I got five pins altogether, but two of them are for Resurrection. So the only pin that I didn't get is for Gallivant. which I'm so sad about because for the two days after Comic-Con, I have been going around singing the music from the trailer because it's been stuck in right. my head. So I'm so sad that I didn't get the gallivant pin, but I'm sure they will show up on eBay or something. Or if somebody wants to they send it to me, hey. They are
2: already on eBay. Uh, are they? And
1: They're probably going for really, a ridiculous okay. amount of money too.
2: Yeah, they are. And I'm not going to go on a rant because, you know, do whatever you want to do. But, like, for the people that can't go out to San Diego Comic-Con, like me, mm-hmm. I always scour eBay afterwards just to see if there's little, you know, books or Slack or things like that. And I thought the pins would be something really cool to have, like, last year, too. I don't have any of the pins from last year. This year I went on and I was like, oh, well, maybe a few of them have made their way to eBay. Not a ton of them. Like, before Comic-Con was over, people were, like, putting their stuff up to sell for, like, I think the last pin I saw was a single pin, and it was already at like $70. I was like, oh, get out cow. of
1: here. Get out of here. Yeah. That is highway yeah. robbery. I'm sorry. There's no I way. Um, <laughs> I do. I did, when I was at Comic-Con last year, I did end up getting all of the pins. Um, I have relocated recently, and I'm not quite sure – if they're in a box somewhere, or if they disappeared before I left. Because, you know, sometimes when you date a flying monkey, stuff disappears and you don't know it. So anyways, uh-huh. moving on from that, I'm uh, not quite sure where my pins are, but I'm definitely going to be looking for them, because now I have my Once Upon a Time Frozen pin that I want to add to that. So hey, there right. you go. Um, so yeah, it was just really exciting. It was a really fun experience, because when you got into the booth, they were showing a preview for the quest, and a preview for, you know, Gallivant and then they had the setup for Mr. Gold's shop. And that's where you actually collected the pins. They had a bunch of different items. They had a glass case set up. They had steins and silver boxes and drawers and all kinds of things. They also had a little statue of the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz sitting on the shelf. Because of course it she it a jack took, in the
2: box? I meant to ask. You it was about yes, it was a jack in the box. Okay. It
1: was a scarecrow in the pictures, and a box. Because it yes.
2: looked like a jack in the box, yeah. I yeah was it's like, a oh, scarecrow I in a box
1: that. which yeah, and that, of course, naturally goes with Rumpelstiltskin because Lelina took his brain. So, you know, hey.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: which, what happened to that after they were done with it? Did he put his, like, did he take the, did he go back in his head? Like, I'm so confused. Anyways, so um, <laughs> I did end up, yeah, so they had this set up there. They had the auditions for the quest. They had a little green screen set up, and if you wanted to go stand in front of it, then they superimposed the Lost Island behind you. Um, which uh, I immediately thought no. of my friend Karen Morrow as soon as I saw that and I so wish that she had been there with me because I know that she would have absolutely adored adored being in front of that. Um yeah, yeah but I would it have was loved it was so that. Yeah, it was so cool. Um it was just really, really it was a fun experience and it was fun also to talk to people in line about Once Upon a Time. Um you know, to talk about why they love the show so much. I made some great friends. I made this girl, Alyssa, uh, another woman named Erica, um, you know, people that I'm now, of course, you know, friends with on social media. Um, and they're just really nice, and they really exemplified why I love the Oneser community so much, because they were totally willing to talk about the show, completely enthusiastic about it, telling me what they liked, what they didn't like. And it's so funny, because when you get into these discussions with Onesers, we all basically have a general consensus on how we feel about things, even if we don't necessarily care about, you know, one character or another. We all have our favorite characters. But, uh, you know, it was just really nice to, to talk to people in line about Once Upon a Time and to see how much people love the show. Because let me tell you, a majority of the people in that line, they were there for the Once Upon a Time pin. Right. Um, and yes, as Ashley's saying, the, the people who were working the booth were wearing Apollo Bar T-shirts. Um, let me see. So, yeah, Sarah is Sarah is in the chat room quoting Lost right now in hilarious. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, and that was really awesome to just kind of go through the line and do that stuff and to see the pins and have that experience. It's, I mean, it was the equivalent of waiting in line for a ride at Disneyland, but you know, I mean, it was a ride. I got to go in and sing with some people. The really cool thing about this too. Is that the two guys that they had there that were dressed like they were on the quest? They actually are on the quest. They're extras. They're some of the guys who are sword fighting. So two of the guys who were running the booth, they were on the show, the quest, and I thought that was really neat because they've actually been on it. Uh, they weren't the contestants. They were just, you know, some of the guys they had to fight and so forth. So it was just, it was just really cool. It was a great way to tie it all together. Um, like the front of the castle was like a drawbridge and you enter through the drawbridge. Like it was just really, really nifty. And there are pictures of it online. Of course, you can find those on the once upon a time fans album for comic-con. You know, if you Google it too, I'm sure that you'll be able to see it, but it was just a really, really fun setup. And, you know, I did end up getting the once upon a time pin. So I'm, I'm happy about that too. Cool. Um, Friday was essentially me just kind of walking around the convention center, looking at everything um, taking some pictures here and there but the thing about Comic-Con is that there's 150,000 people who go. And it is very very crowded. And if you want to imagine what it's like walking through the convention center, imagine driving through rush hour traffic with no stoplights to tell anybody when to go or where to turn. Just imagine mm-hmm. that for a moment. Then imagine that you're just walking through a crowd of people and if you're like basically wanting to go left, like if you're in the left turn lane, You have to deal with not only oncoming traffic coming from in front of you, but also left to right. Like, it was complete and utter chaos and insanity. And I just really couldn't deal with the crowd of people that much. So I actually didn't go through the convention center too much because it, it was just overwhelming, the amount of people. And, you know, the aisles were so, you know, they were so tightly squeezed. It was just ridiculous. So I didn't really do any of that. But then Saturday came. Saturday, the day, the day of the Once Upon a Time press room. And this is where it's going to get into the nitty-gritty of the details here, folks, because um, what basically happened was, uh, well, actually, Friday, (laughs) Friday, I did not just go to the convention center. That's right. So if you're unfamiliar with the way that Comic-Con works, here's how it works. They have huge ballrooms that have all the panels for things like, you know, the Simpsons and – you know, like Supernatural and, you know, like every show you can think of, The Walking Dead, you know, I mean everything that you can think of, When Sons of Anarchy, for example, whenever they have their panels at Comic-Con, they're in these huge ballrooms that can hold probably a 1,000, maybe 1,500 people. The thing about Comic-Con, though, is that they do not clear these rooms out in between panels. So if you want to see a panel that's not until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you have to get there early enough and sit through all of the other panels before yours before you can see yours. Now, thankfully, the Once Upon a Time panel was second for Ballroom 20. We were after The Simpsons. However, I was walking around with a friend on Friday afternoon, getting a bite to eat, and at 4:30, Ashley, our our co you know my our coworker, our staff and fellow staff member, was Once Upon a Fan calls me and lets me know that the line for Ballroom 20 is already forming for the next day at 4.30 in the afternoon on Friday. So I went and got in line with Ashley and uh, my new friend Molly and uh, a few other people, and we got in line at 4.30 in the afternoon. The convention center closed at 7 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, they moved us off of the grass to the sidewalk in front of the convention center. Now, let me paint you all a picture here of what this is like. You're sitting on a sidewalk in front of the convention center. On the other side of the sidewalk from the convention center, like right in front of you, is the driveway where all of the tour buses and the shuttles and everything are going to take people back and forth from their hotels because that's what they do at Comic-Con. They have a shuttle system so that if you're at a hotel, you know, then you just get on the shuttle that's on your line and it drops you off close to your place those shuttles run 24 hours a day so not only are you having to camp out overnight on a sidewalk overnight but you're doing it in front of shuttle buses which means that you are not going to sleep and just let me let me just tell you folks me and Ashley and the other folks who were there were in line all together said and done for 17 hours overnight to get into the once upon a time panel it was absolutely insane. Um, not, I mean, not, not that we did it. To me, that's not crazy, even though it's crazy to other people. For me, sitting in line for 17 hours for the panel is actually not that crazy because I'm a determined one and You better believe that I'm going to that panel. I'm not going to miss it. But okay. what was crazy was – What was crazy was the number of people who were asking us, is this the line for Hall H? Because Hall H is where they have, like, you know, the big Marvel presentation and, you know, all the big stuff always goes to Hall H. So everybody kept asking us, is this the line for Hall H? Is this the line for Hall H? Well, for dinner, we had all chipped in on a pizza and had it delivered to the Hilton, which was right next door. So we were so tired of people asking us that that we grabbed a marker and we wrote on the lid, like we opened up the lid and we wrote on it, this line is for all panels except Hall H. And then underneath we wrote, donations welcome, just kidding, because, you know, you're just sitting there with an open pizza box, and, you know, we just thought it was funny for a joke to make people laugh, and it did. (laughs) But all altogether we were camped out overnight um, on the sidewalk, and because the way that they have it set up, I mean, obviously, your whole group can't all leave to go somewhere, so we can only leave one at a time to go back to our hotels, get our pajamas, get our blankets, get our pillows, and come back to the line and then try to sleep in front of a bunch of shuttle buses that were running all night and and people walking up and down the sidewalk all night talking uh-huh. at the top of their lungs. Let me just tell you, if you are an impatient person, if you need a lot of sleep, if you can't stand people waking you up, Comic-Con is not the place for you because <laughs> waiting in line over and overnight for the panels, that's exactly what you're going to experience. So just letting you all know, That's that's what it happened. That's what it's like. 17 hours. Okay. So then the morning comes, Saturday morning, and we were number 30 in line. We were about 30th in line because we counted. Saturday morning comes along. Suddenly we're number 100 because the people who were in front of us were holding spots for other people. One person literally held a spot for 20 people. 20. Just imagine for a moment that you have been in line overnight for 14 hours and suddenly – Fifty people have cut in front of you in line. This does not make for a happy oncers. It does not make for a happy Zachary either. So, and I was yeah. not happy, and I was not having any yeah, of it you
0: either. <laughs> so
1: and if you saw my Twitter feed, I immediately tweeted and, and I assembled the onceers and had everybody start tweeting about it, because it is absolutely <laughs> crazy to me that that could happen. Now mind you. It did end up working out, because a lot of the people who cut in front of us in line ended up going to other panels that were not in Ballroom 20. But consider for a moment if that had not been the case. That is Uh. not okay. It is absolutely not okay. And I tweeted this to Comic-Con, and even though it all worked out, I'm still going to stand by this point. There needs to be a system in place at Comic-Con to establish that the people who were there overnight were there overnight. They need to issue wristbands. And have a limit of how many spots you can hold. That's just period. That's the way that it needs to work. Because, like I said, if all those people had cut in front of us for our panel, we would have been rows back from where we were. And that is not okay mm-hmm. when I just spent 14 hours camping out overnight, breathing in exhaust from all the trucks and not getting any sleep. I only got an hour and a half of sleep Friday night. Right. So. It's not okay, and it's a system that needs to change. I love you, Comic-Con. I appreciate the experience. I love what it is, but that's one part of Comic-Con that I do not like, and that is one thing that I am going to be very critical about and encourage that, you know, there needs to be some changes there. Um, it, yeah, it, they do, um, as Ashley is saying in the chat room, they do issue wristbands for Hall H, but it's still kind of a messy, you know, like a messy thing. My point on this is Comic-Con has been such a huge thing for such a large amount of time now. They've had enough time to figure this out, and they need to. So that's just my thought there, just my own humble opinion. Feel free to disagree with me if you want. That's totally fine. That's just how I feel. It's just my own personal opinion. Anyways, we were successful in our attempt to get to the front of the line because after all the cutters went to their ballroom panels, we were our group consisting of me and Ashley and Molly and a few others basically power walked our way, through the convention center, around the line of people, and we ended up being about 10th or 15th in line to go to our ballroom. Score. So while we're waiting in line, of course, we found a lot of cosplayers dressed as Once Upon a Time characters. We took pictures. We posted them on the Internet. You can find them on the Once Upon a Time fan page if you so wish. Lots of pictures there. We ended up being in the fourth row, right in front of the table, and it was awesome. Um, The first panel, obviously, we went to The Simpsons. We had to listen to that because Once Upon a Time was next. So we did go through that. And The Simpsons panel was actually very interesting. Um, They did say that The Simpsons are going to be continuing for several years to come, um, that they are having a discussion with the Futurama team to see how they can bring Futurama back for a second time. Um, So if you're a fan of Futurama, they are trying to bring it back again. Um, they did discuss the Simpsons uh, Family Guy kind of crossover episode that's happening pretty soon. Lots of good stuff. They ha- oh, they had um, the creator of the show, Matt Groening, he interacted with a projection, a 3D CG-generated projection of, um, of Homer. So that was really, really, really cool. Um, let me see here. Sorry, I'm getting a message. Uh, let me see. So, and I- oh, no. Actually, wait. Um, Amy... Uh, forget what I just said. Do it now. So, hey, uh, hey, mitigated text. Totally call. Um, hashtag, just saying. <laughs> so, um, so then after the sentence panel, it was time for the Once Upon a Time panel. Now, I was originally going to live tweet the panel and also try to record the panel, but there was no way I could do it because I could not physically hold my camera and hold my phone and text all at the same time. It just was not – it, it wasn't possible. So I was doing the recording, and Ashley was doing all the tweeting for us. That's how we did our coverage. Um, for those of you who were following our Twitter feeds on that day, I'm sure you saw all of Ashley's tweets. Um, you know, so we had those up. I, we uploaded the panel video that I filmed today, so all of those are online now as well. Um, you know, they did show like a, a kind of a recap of the series so far, They showed us the preview of Regina setting Sydney free from the asylum. Um, They showed us the clip of Anna and Elsa from Once Upon a Time. Uh, They showed us a story from, you know, it was a clip from Ginny Goodwin and Michael Saka was in it and he was the name of hearts. It was really, really awesome. And thankfully, Ashley is now on the line with us to share her experience. Ashley, my darling, welcome.
3: Hi.
1: Lovely to hear from you again.
3: (laughs) Hi. Sorry, I've lost my voice a bit, you
1: know, effects from the con and all that. Yeah. Oh, you know, it happens. So um, I don't don't want to put too much pressure on your voice, my dear, but please, if you could, share with us some of your experience of Comic-Con.
3: Well, um, I got in town, actually, on Monday um, because I was like, what the heck, let's make a vacation out of it. And I got to see a lot of the setting up that they do. Um, they had a lot of the big stuff up already. Like there was a gigantic thing for the uh, the Sean Bean, uh, what is that, the Legend or Legendary or something like that. They had that up um, on one of the hotels. Um, they didn't have the once wrap up yet. I actually was stalking Petco Park <laughs> uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to try to get a good picture of it. It very slowly came together over those three days. Um, the real meat and potatoes, flurry of action didn't happen until Wednesday for preview night, um, and it was just neat to see, you know, wake up and see the gas lamp District, which was essentially a ghost town, suddenly just becomes this boom of nerddom. It was, it was so cool. Like, folks were already dressing up. They had the Sharknado people out there, and they were just annoying, but fun. They had (laughs) (laughs) chainsaws. They had megaphones. I was not a big fan of the megaphones. Um, But, yeah, and there was always, you know, on preview night, there's always this anticipation to get on the con floor and see everything first and, you know, make a beeline for that ABC booth and see what they have in store for us and it was it was neat for me like booking it down the aisle to see the castle just pop up into view and be like oh that's where I need to go and and see what shows are being represented and like you said they had a lot of different um, a lot of different shows some of them that I hadn't heard before represented and it was just cool to wait in line and kind of get those trailers like I had never heard of The Whispers and now I am all about it so you know good on ABC for kind of getting that uh, getting the word out there that way. Um, I only made one pass through the castle, though. I was very, very, very lucky and got my uh, once frozen pin on the first go. Um, and I'm pretty sure I was the envy of a lot of people in line those next two days because a lot of folks are very committed for those pins, and they will just go through the castle like 15, 16, 20 times. That's what I did last year, the boat. I think I lived in the ABC boat last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, so and and I I am a big con-goer, so the floor didn't bother me so much. So it, it did feel a bit crowded this year, a bit more than last year. I think that had to do with where they had the booth. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. off of the main aisle, so the walking room, walking mm-hmm. area wasn't as big as it, it used to be. And that kind of factored into the signing. I know you didn't attend, but I've got, you know, some input on that since I did get a chance to attend. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But, yeah, f- uh, flash forward to Friday night when we had our or camp out. And it was really neat because, like like you said, you meet so many people line. But the cool thing was is so many people from last year were still there. Like, I saw folks I hadn't seen in a year. Yeah. They all remembered mm-hmm. each other, and it was like, oh, you're, you're yeah. so-and-so. How are you doing? What pins do you have? Yeah, um, that was
1: great, yeah. <laughs>
3: That was, that was it was really neat that there's you know so much of a once community there on site, um, and then we finally got into the air conditioning and I was just just so pleased with that because I don't know if all of your listeners know but I dressed up like granny, for the parade, mm-hmm. and my granny costume is just like leather and layers and shawls and wigs and it was inhumanly humid uh, in San Diego this year. I actually. Apparently, it's a big deal that they got rain. I had somebody text me like it rained. I was like, for like ten minutes, guys calm down but um <laughs> so it was nice, you know they they do they do do a good job of staging everybody, and I remember when we were up, we were lucky uh where we were involved in twenty we, I see you there, Aaron with the granny fannies um in the chat room, but uh where we were involved in twenty, we actually got a great view of hall h and to give you an idea of the line insanity
1: oh yes. We'll,
3: Yeah, I got a picture of that, too. Looking out over, because behind the uh, convention center, there's some grassy areas, and so they had, like, the Gotham zip line and a bunch of other cool stuff, but the line for Hall H, because it was Marvel Day, it went out. It went around the convention center, out by the marina, doubled back on itself, and went out again. Yes, it it wrapped
1: around the marina, Yeah.
3: I have never seen more people queued up in my entire life. It was insane. Like it like half the convention was in line that morning. And this was like what, six o'clock in the morning or something like that. Yeah, I don't mean, know. They get you up at five, they yeah. stage you mm-hmm. to start moving. Um, but we
1: we uh Well, we did entertain them, though, all of those people now.
3: We were singing Um, at them. We were singing Frozen at them. We were singing, yes. We
1: were singing Let It Go. We were singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. We were singing, you know, the song from Rant, 525,600 Minutes. Only we changed the lyrics to 525,000 people in line. Like, it was just, yeah, (laughs) it was great. And and we got all kinds of funny looks, and it was fantastic. I loved it.
3: Well, that's the thing though, is that like even though you're in line
1: for forever, you
3: um you get a little slap happy, but you got to make it fun. Like if you are in a in a bad mood and you're in line, you're gonna have a bad time. But if you're with
0: mm-hmm. a group
3: of people where you can have a bit more flexibility, like going to the bathroom and you know we we kind of I we were talking to the the gals who were sitting next to us with an adorable little baby, and you know you you make line friends, so that, that makes it a bit easier. Um, but yeah, so I. I had paused it so I'm not sure where you are in the storytelling of the panel. Uh, um, I was off? just
1: talking about I left off where they sh- they you know basically what they showed us as far as the the kind of wrap up of where the seas where the series has come and gone um, the preview that was a cool uh,
0: video.
1: Yeah, it sure was and the guy's voice in it too and he at the end because it ends with the guy saying uh, awake arise or be forever frozen. And it was just and all it was deep just and dramatic, with the bass booming, and it was like, just awesome. Tony J,
3: and it made you very excited because it was, it was everything that we love about Once on a Screen for a trailer. It was showing us like this is this is what we're all about, and I thought that was really cool. And it, it was very well rounded. It it showed it showcased all the characters and all the situations. So it was really neat to kind of get that refresher because I haven't started my rewatch yet. Uh, but it was neat to get that refresher and be like, Oh yeah, don't get pumped for once, and, you know, and then the cast came out and they well first the vet Nicole Brown oh. came out. Can I just say she was an oh, yes. excellent moderator? She was so
1: she rocked the house. She rock, she was the bomb She was so good.
3: Well what they were doing this year actually, because I sat in on the Penny Dreadful um panel, is that they were finding celebrities who are huge fans and inviting them to uh moderate. So you had you had professional people who still appreciate the show the same way we, the Comic Con guests, did. So I thought it was really neat. I want them to do that in future years because it it really helped move the panel along well. And they asked great questions. They knew they knew how to. They knew what we wanted to hear. But what our burning questions were. I mean, there was exactly. no prompting. Is that is that Nicole Brown asked the musical you know episode question? Um, so she was just a treat. I do want to see her more on once because she had a great. Um, chemistry with the cast
1: there on stage yeah she had such a great vibe with them and such a great positive energy about her the way i mean she was such a complete fangirl as much as we are and it was obvious and that was what was so great about it she even said at the beginning that she loved the show so much that she that should be a restraining order for her about how much she loves the show (laughs) i mean it was just i mean it was fantastic having her moderate it um There wasn't really anything revelatory at the panel, but it was really good. Um, It was a good
3: discussion, if anything, yeah. I did like, they did more um, media this year, I feel like. They did a bit more, or maybe one more clip than they usually do. Usually you get, you know, last year we got Good Morning Storybrooke and I think the aerial trailer, and that was it. And those were like big reveals, but because I guess we're also, you know, active all uh, you know, Stevenson, like watching filming and with social media that you know the big, big reveal, they kind of held off on those, but it was like the writer's room skit I thought was very funny, and I thought it was very oh, it was hilarious. Uh, Adam and Eddie and crew to kind of poke fun at themselves as well. Um, I hope that makes it onto the DVD, because I mean, I know it's online, but it's still something you kind of want to rewatch, especially since everything that's written on the whiteboard, there's, there's I was looking at some screen caps you guys had posted up, and it was just it, it was cool to look and see how much effort they put in on the little background details. I mean, you know, these are the guys exactly. who, No, like, you know, they, the background yeah. details are important, but it was neat to, to look at that. And, like, I think one of the ones where they had castle ideas and Nathan Fillion's name was, like, barely seen, like, blinking, you'll miss
1: it. So it was funny stuff <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, that, that was, yeah, and I agree. They did more media because we got the the initial, you know, kind of recap of the show we had the thing in the writer's room. We saw the clip of Regina setting Sydney free. We saw the message from Jeannie Goodwin from the set, and we saw the clip of Anna and Elsa. So there was actually yeah. a lot more to that panel, like a lot of uh, footage that they showed there, little video messages and things.
3: I keep forgetting the, 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 um, the message from Jeannie just because I think I was in the middle of, I was, I was live tweeting, I think I was in the middle of a tweet And I was like, oh, they're doing well, and oh my God, she's 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 videoing in. Like I had a spaz at that point. Um, but it was really nice, you know, to see you know her back on set and she see she was well and you know even though she couldn't be there, she was still there. So that was that was you know you can't have charming without snow. Um, Exactly. And I like the questions that the moderator asked because it, it felt like there was no. Character or actor that was really favored over another it was very well rounded. Like everybody got mm-hmm. a chance to talk about their character, and everybody mm-hmm. got a chance to say their piece. And that was—I really enjoyed that because you know, obviously, we're such a diverse fan and with such a big cast. Having a chance to hear a little bit from all of our favorites was very, very nice. So, and yeah, I really like really when well. Jared got his participation. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was a <clears throat> a good thing. And, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Jared, Jared, you could tell he was so nervous. Like he he seemed a little (laughs) bit overwhelmed by the whole thing, but he held his own really well though. I thought he was, he did a really good job on the panel. I was, I mean, it's weird. I feel weird to say that I was proud of him, but I was kind of proud of him for like standing up there and and doing his own thing.
3: This is only what his second, uh, convention that he did representing one. So I think he did a Mm -hmm. fantastic, especially since comic-con is so big. I mean, Ballroom 20 is, isn't is Hall H. I mean, Hall H has, what did I say, 6,500 6, people. 6,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not that big, but it's still a little daunting having an audience that huge live, like waiting on bated breath to hear what you have to say about, you know, it, it was a good question. It was about uh, him and his take on Pan and everything. So to to answer as well as he did in front of all of us, I was proud of him, I think, um, yeah. But yeah, and then the fan questions were great. There was you know great cosplay uh, being represented there by the fans and stuff, and they uh, they had a neat little treat for everybody who uh, had a chance to ask a question. Do you want to? I don't know if you want to talk about that or.
1: Um, yeah, no, we can. So um, basically, for all the people who got up and they asked a question, they allowed ten questions, and those ten people, because they stood up and asked a question they won a spot to go down and get uh, the autograph signing. So they got to go down and get the autograph along with the 90 other people who had collected all five of the pins going through the castle. So that was, I'm sure that was a really neat treat for all of them, especially because a majority of the people asking those questions were either kids or you know, younger people, like in their, you know, maybe teens, but there were a lot of kids who were asking questions, so I think it was really cool of them to include that, and to let them have a chance to get a signature, and go meet their favorite characters, and all that stuff, that was really cool. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, and then, and uh, just the panel was great this year, there was such a, I felt so good leaving it, there was such a a positive air, and everything, even though we all Mm -hmm. had, you know, sleep deprived, and everything, and I was, sweating up a storm still and I but I still was like yes no this is my show I'm so excited um, yeah and the signing the signing was right after the panel and that was uh that was it was interesting because I I actually didn't attend the signing last year so I really don't have a frame of reference but um it was very nice to have a little bit of a moment with each cast member but it was very crowded I have to say everyone was very eager to you know see the cast up close and personal it was a little hectic, I have to say, um, with so many fans around the uh, the castle. Um, it it was it was a bit of a chaotic environment, but I think I think everybody had a good positive time with that too. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, though this year's Comic Con was a good one for the cast, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to hand it off to you. I'm still a noob at this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you're good. You're totally good. Um, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us because you did have a unique point of view considering that you did go to the signing and I did not. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just pick it up with what happened in the press room, I suppose. Oh, sure. Because that's what happened after, uh, you know, after the uh, the signing. Ash, if you want to stay on the line, you're more than welcome to, or if you want to drop off, it's totally okay. It's up to you. Um, I can do that. So um, so Saturday after the panel, um, while Ashley was going down to the signing, I was going back to my hotel room because I was going to – I did a Disney bound um, while I was in the press room. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, Disney bounding is when you take regular everyday clothes and you dress and you color coordinate and look like a Disney character. So because, um, because Frozen is coming and because Storybrooke has Frozen over, I chose to do an Elsa Disney bound. So I had on – kind of ice blue pants and a blue shirt and a tie that looked just like Elsa's sleeves from her uh, from her blue dress and uh, my hair was blonde so I was I was Elsa in the press room and, and it, it was
2: fantastic
1: <laughs> you did cool it
2: so good
1: well thanks I appreciate it. I I tried my best to, to do it. And it's so funny too people wanted me I heard a lot of people they wanted me to put the blue streak in my hair I'm really glad that I didn't actually because I think it would have it would have pulled away from the outfit a little bit. But uh,
0: mm.
1: but yeah, that was really fun. So I went down to the press room. The crazy thing was that it was running late, actually. Um, we were supposed to start talking to them at 3.30. That's when they were all supposed to arrive. And they didn't actually <laughs> arrive until about 10 minutes to 4. So it ran about 20 minutes late just because um, there was double the amount of reporters in this year's press room that there were last year, and obviously Frozen has a big part to play in that because more outlets report on things with Frozen because of what a phenomenon it is. So there were double the amount of reporters, which unfortunately cut down on the amount of time that we had to talk to each cast member plus the fact that, you know, it was running late. So those two factors kind of combined into having a shorter time. However, that didn't really take away from the experience because we still got a lot of really good information. So we got in the press room, and I took my place at the table, because this year I did not do the, uh, the press line with all the cameras. I was sitting at a table instead, so I didn't do the one-on-one video interview. But um, what happened, though, was that I did have my phone, and when they bring the cast in, the first thing they do is run them down the press line so that they can take pictures. So I was, that's where those pictures came from that you may have seen on the Internet, on Once Upon a Time fans. Um, we have an album set up for it. Those, that that's where those pictures came from. I was just snapping away with my phone, hitting the cam, like the the take picture button. I was hitting it so fast that I'm surprised that it was still working actually, because I was just boom, 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 boom. I like, take as many as possible. Um, so that was really fun. And then it was really nice to uh, to have a moment with Jennifer Morrison. For any of you who are familiar with me and my story, and if you were following, you know, Comic Con last year. And you know that one of the reasons why I love Once Upon a Time so much is because it l- quite literally changed my life um, in his career of 10 years and go back to college and go for what I believe in. And, yeah, it gave me a sense of hope and self-confidence after some family tragedy that I've never had in my entire life. And uh, last year I was able to communicate that to Jennifer Morrison personally as well as a few other cast members. And um, when Jennifer Morrison came in, uh, she was standing over against the wall, waiting for her turn to take a picture. And so I went over to her and I said, "Hey, I, you know, just want to say hi before you take your picture." She asked me how I was doing. I said it was good, and let her know that I just relocated from Seattle to Los Angeles because I did. Um, so for any of you longtime listeners of the podcast, if you didn't know that, I don't live in Seattle anymore. I live in I live in LA now. So um, so yeah, I just told her that I had moved, and you know, we talked for a little bit, and I took a selfie with her because. I had to, she's my hero. She's a swarm <laughs> princess. So I took a selfie with her and, uh, you know, she went and took a picture and it was so cool because all these photographers are sitting there saying, you know, Jennifer, Jennifer, look over here, look over here. And I kind of raised my finger up and I said, over here, Miss Jen. And she looked at me and smiled and I snapped a couple of pictures and was like, thank you. Like, it was just nice of her to, to, you know, look right at me. And it gave me a little bit of a thrill because she's my hero. But, um, so she and Colin O'Donoghue were the first people that I talked to. And we do have these, uh, this interview up on the Internet right now. It's on YouTube if you want to go watch it. Um, she revealed a lot of information, and it was kind of interesting because, you know, if, you, if you've seen Frozen, it's kind of easy to draw some parallels between the Frozen characters and the Once Upon a Time characters. You know, for example, in Frozen – Elsa's whole thing with controlling her magic is that she has to realize that love is the key to unthawing everything at the end. And there's a real parallel between her and Emma because Emma's key to controlling magic is she has to realize that love is the key as well because she hasn't really been able to control her magic yet. And I asked Jennifer Morrison if we were going to see those kind of parallels play out, and she said absolutely. Um, she revealed that this is the fir- that Elsa and Emma are friends, and that this is the first time that Emma has ever felt that she's had a friend who is not in the family. So that was really cool to know that Emma finally has a friend coming. Yeah.
2: Aww, Emma has a friend. Emma finally has a friend. Well, hopefully they won't do something horrible and take Emma's friend away, because poor Emma girl has been through the ringer. I mean, Graham, Neil... I mean, it just take you know everything here, so yeah, let her keep her friends. Hopefully that'll that'll turn out to be a long term thing.
1: Yeah, I't so too. I think that it will. Um, it'll probably go the whole season. and of course, I'm excited because that possibly means that Elsa will be teaching Emma how to use her magic. And that to me is great because I've wanted Emma to learn how to use her magic the entire time. So now that that opportunity is presenting itself through Elsa, I am so excited for that. Um, I, I wonder also how. Am, oh, hmm? Go ahead. oh no,
3: I just going to say, I wonder how Elsa's te- te- teaching methods would differ from Regina's,
1: and if yeah, they were playing like, taking friendship. her out on the bridge and everything. <laughs> yeah, remember when? Yeah, remember when Emma, when Regina brought Emma onto the bridge and the bridge collapsed and Emma had to like throw it all together in this messy Lego pile.
2: Lego pile. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, I imagine like, I that think Elsa that... would probably have a little more patience. but my girl, well, and a little bit of a was, different on a time too, probably, crunch. Yeah, yeah. she <laughs> was on a time crunch. <laughs> I'm sure she's a yeah, she was. patient teacher otherwise.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm really stoked, though, to see how that storyline is going to play out. I also asked Colin O'Donoghue if there were some parallels that, you know, I basically said there are a lot of parallels between Hook and Kristoff because Hook, essentially, is a bit of a fixer-upper, um, just like <laughs> in the song. And, you know, he just needs somebody to love him to make him a better person. And Colin basically said that that's exactly what it is, you know, that that's the case. Um, Amy, have you watched any of that interview yet?
2: I Yeah, I've seen some of it. I haven't had a chance to watch the entire thing. But I loved the fact that you drew on that parallel because it's it's definitely true. I see... Elsa and Emma being having, you know, very similar, almost parallels in parts of their stories. So I really feel like that was like a smart question, and that was great for you to ask. And Hook is a little bit like Kristoff because of the whole fixer upper thing.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny? Hot. I'm glad that he's you super, mentioned that super too.
2: Hot. Be- Can I just throw that in?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, and is, I'm, glad that you, I'm glad that you brought that up about Elsa and Emma because there's another parallel between the two of them that I actually didn't think of until just now. In the panel, Eddie said when they were asking, um, he was asked, or I think actually, excuse me, Yvette Nicole Brown asked Jennifer Morrison who she thinks Emma's soulmate is. And she didn't really give an answer because she said that that's more of a question for Adam and Eddie. So they posed it to Adam and Eddie. And they basically said that, you know, love and all that stuff is not really Emma's focus right now, and that the focus of Emma's journey on the show is about Emma finding herself and becoming okay with herself. And, if you, and that is exactly what, what Elsa's deal is on Frozen, down to the letter.
2: Mm-hmm, she has to learn to
1: be okay with herself. So they have a lot of parallels going on between those two characters, and they're obviously going to be able to build on that extensively because we have a, a whole half of a season, you know, to build on it. Now, I would imagine the fact that Rumpelstiltskin had Elsa imprisoned in a vase or an urn or whatever you want to call that might cause some complications down the road. But um, I, I love the fact that, you know, that's basically what, you know, that's basically what you can see. You can kind of see where Emma's storyline is going to go with that because of Frozen and how Elsa plays into that. So that's really neat. Um, and I also got a chance to talk to Lana Perea. And um, the question – I mean, I, I talked to everybody who was there, but the question that I posed to Lana was the same one that I posed to Jennifer Morrison. Because if you think about it, um, Emma and Regina are two sides of the same coin. And I know, you, Ashley, you and I had this discussion when we were in line um, for the panel and you know we had agreed on it because you you said that you had been saying that for a while and it was nice
3: i have been saying that for years agreed.
1: oh yeah yeah oh me, my god yeah <laughs> me i mean amy knows so so alive right i mean amy you can vouch for that i mean
2: right right definitely and it's funny because well, I, I don't know if you
1: pre- usually oh go ahead amy go ahead
2: I was just going to say, I'm, I don't know if Ash, before she came on the staff, if she had listened to previous issues or previous episodes of the podcast, but Zach is very much the Once Upon a Fan. You know, he's our salon prince, and he is all about Emma and loves Emma. And I'm a huge evil regal, like I'm I'm all about Regina. And so it's, when we look at the show, it's almost like we look at it from two – different perspectives but we've we've had that conversation too about them you know being two sides of the same coin and especially with their relationship now kind of co-parenting with henry i think we're Mm going to see that even more
3: i'm very excited to see that actually and i think i think that's a good frozen like zach was saying is a good way to kind of bring that more towards the light so what did lana have to say about um uh, her, her relationship with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hello? Did we
2: lose Zach?
1: No, I'm here. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> what, I basically, what I basically asked Lana was, you know, I said there are a lot of parallels between, you know, Elsa and Regina because of the fact that Lo- that Elsa has to use love to control her magic. And Regina has always used, you know, evil magic so far. But as we saw in the finale of last year, now she's using white magic. And of course, the way to use that is by using love. So I asked her if, you know, there was going to be any kind of a relationship between Elsa and Regina, as far as, you know, Elsa teaching Regina how to use magic using love. And her answer was really, um, it was really interesting. She basically said that she kind of reiterated what they said in the panel, which is that Regina's habits die hard. And just because she used light magic at the end of season three, don't expect her to continue using it in season four and just immediately becoming a hero. Uh, There is a reason why Regina said to, when, when Zelina said, you know, you're, you're a villain, you're not a hero. And Regina said today I am. You remember that line that she said in the finale? Uh-huh. There's a reason why they said why they included the word today. Regina is not going to go immediately into being a good person, as evidenced by the clip between her and Sydney, because she's setting Sydney free so that he can help her get rid of Marion. Uh-huh. So, you know, there's a lot to come there, and and it's funny because Lana couldn't actually answer my question because she said I was so close to the mark that if she said anything, it would be a spoiler.
0: That's
1: okay. a very so yeah. Lana could not answer that question. Um, and I thought that that was – I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Uh, that's really interesting, as a matter of fact, because I can kind of – I really wonder how that's going to go and how it's going to affect, you know, Outlaw Queen and her relationship with everybody Um yeah, I'm really interested in that. So I, I can't wait to, uh, to get that interview put up on YouTube. We're gonna actually have that one up later on this week. We're gonna be releasing a couple of them a day. Uh, we're not gonna do them all at once just because, you know, we want everybody to kind of marinate in what everyone is saying and form some theories and, and yeah, and then we'll add some more information to the mix and see if that changes your theory at all a little bit. But yeah, so we'll have the Lana Pre interview up later on this week. Um, but then after Lana, I talked to Jared. Uh, Jared Gilmore. And let me just tell you guys, number one, he is one of the sweetest little, like, he's one of the sweetest kids that I've ever talked to. Like, he's really nice, really warm. Uh, you could tell he was a little bit overwhelmed because it's his first con, but he really held his own too. That interview was also on the internet. Um, we did learn at the panel that Rumple and Henry are going to be spending more time together and building more of a relationship now that you know, the, the common factor between the two of them, Neil, is gone. So they are going to have more of a relationship. Um, he also told another table, Robert, uh, well, Robert Carlyle did at least, that, um, and this is a spoiler alert, everybody, so if you don't want to know anything about the premiere, then plug your ears, but who are we kidding? You all want to know something about the premiere. So um, <laughs> what basically happened is that Ruffle and Belle are going to get home from their honeymoon in the middle of the night, and they're going to find Henry in the pawn shop. And that's actually, and that's actually the scene that um that was mentioned at the panel that um Eddie and Adam talked about that they have a really sweet scene between the two of them. That's the scene. It's a scene that happens in the pawn shop, where Henry is basically he's looking, he needs some guidance. And the only person who can give it to him at this point is rumple. So yeah, because that's his grandpa on his dad's side, and he, he wanted his dad and stuff like that. So we're going to be seeing more of that relationship develop. Um, as Adam and Eddie said in the panel, Henry is going to be getting into the family business as far as the pawn shop goes. We're going to be spending a little bit more time there um, at the pawn shop with Gold, um, building a relationship with his grandfather. That's going to be really interesting to see how that plays against Henry's relationship with his two moms. Um, that's, it's, and, and considering Emma and Regina's relationship with each other and their individual relationships with Stiltskin, it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. I am wondering if something is going to happen with Henry along the lines that he chooses to go live with Rumpel instead of either one of them. Um, and if that's going to be a factor, I don't have anything really concrete to go off of with that, but it's just kind of a feeling that I kind of wonder if maybe that's going to be the way that it ends up going which I would love to see that because I have always loved Henry as a character. All you longtime listeners of the podcast, you know that I've always said I want to see more Henry. Um, Yvette Nicole Brown said that she considers him to be the heart and soul of the show, and I totally agree with that because without him, there would be nothing. So I do want to see more of Henry, and, I'm, and I can't wait to see how they're going to develop his relationship with the other characters. So I'm um, pretty excited about that. Um, I talked to Josh Dallas, I did ask him whether or not he thought there might be some conflict between Charming and Hans, considering that they're both princes, but they are polar opposites from each other, because obviously Charming is Charming, and Hans is Hans. So, uh, not Charming. I, remember... <laughs> I had other four-letter yeah, words not for that, charming. yeah, he's Hans. <laughs> yeah, I, I had another word for that too, but then I remembered... You know where I am, so I couldn't say it. But uh, if Amy is familiar with it, he's a he's basically a a D canoe, if you will. Um, yes. So that's so that's so that's my
2: like favorite word in private. Pan- <laughs> a like, a yeah. canoe? And, He's a Disney canoe? Yes, exactly. Uh,
1: absolutely, yes, Disney. That's what the D stands for. So. um, <laughs> So yeah, um but yeah, that was that was pretty cool and I did ask him if the sea of the baby was gonna be in jeopardy because of Elsa being there and he said that the the safety of the baby is always going to be a concern for charming um and snow, but you know, he couldn't really say much else. Um A a few interesting bits from from Josh Dallas, but there was nothing really revelatory there either, and again, the only reason why that is is because we had a limited time with the questions, and I couldn't really get into the nitty-gritty with them, and neither could any of the other reporters, so that's Uh why we didn't get a chance to really get into that topic very much. Um, However, when I talked to Robert Carlyle and Emily DeRobin, uh, because they were next, they said they had some very interesting words to say because... Again, I see a lot of parallels between Frozen and Once Upon a Time, and that was really the basis of all of my questions. So what I asked them was, you know, there seems to be some parallels between Rumpel and Elsa and Belle and Anna as far as how Rumpel is always saying to Belle, no, you need to stay away from me for your own good. I'm a bad person. You shouldn't be with me. That's pretty much what Elsa says to Anna. And then Belle always comes back to him and says, but I love you. Let me get close to you. Stop pushing me away stop isolating yourself if you will and that's exactly what anna did and the two of them just kind of looked at me and emily just kind of blinked and was like yeah and uh and robert Carlyle said that that's very interesting and he thinks that there will definitely be some parallels to come out of that and you know that there will be you know that there are commonalities there absolutely yes so take that for what you will um he, I did ask him if, he had, uh, if either one of their characters have interacted with the Frozen characters yet, and he said that they have not. They have filmed the first two episodes so far. They've not had any interaction with any of the Frozen characters yet, but he filmed his first scene with Elsa yesterday, Monday. So for yeah. any of you who are interested in that, Rumpel and Elsa apparently will have their first scene together in the third episode. So that's a little bit of a treat for us. There, are a little bit of a reveal. Um, and that's the
2: episode that's going to be called Whiteout, right?
1: No, that's episode two. I don't think they've released the title for episode three yet. No, I don't think they've that
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember seeing it. So, so that's pretty interesting. I mean, obviously the first, it sounds like just from the, the titles alone, you know, A Tale of Two Sisters and Whiteout, it's, it sounds to me like they're going to be very Frozen-centric as far as those characters go. And then they might pick up and start interacting more with the other characters later on. But, I mean, they're obviously going to interact before that, but it just sounds like the first two episodes are going to be more focused on the Frozen storyline. So we'll see how that goes. Um, The dagger is going to come into play, again, immediately. It is immediately going to be an issue as far as the real dagger versus the fake dagger and the lie about it. That's going to have immediate consequences. So just take a look out for that. Um, let me see. Who else did we talk to? Oh, Lord, who else did I talk to? Who else was on the show? (laughs) Um, then it was Adam and Eddie, and Adam and Eddie basically, you know, there wasn't anything specific that they said. I did ask them about the parallels between all the characters, and, and it was interesting because they said that that Elsa reminded them of Regina and Emma, and Anna reminded them of Snow White, interestingly enough. So take that as for what you will too, especially considering the scenes between Regina and snow last year in the seance scenes when they were actually kind of healing the wounds and letting and letting things go, right. They were (laughs) letting it go. That is going to come back into play as well. So just keep an eye out for all that stuff. because it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, And then, yeah, that was, That was really it, because I only had about three minutes with each person, and there's obviously more specifics to come, but I want everyone to see the interviews as we release them later on this week to get the full scoop. Um, So stay tuned to Once Upon a Time fans, because we will be releasing those interviews throughout the week, like I said before. But altogether, it sounds like the Frozen – I mean, just from everything that I've told you guys now, plus everything else that's in the interviews, it is very, very clear that the Frozen storyline is going to have – some major consequences on the once upon a time, you know, on our characters, on all of our characters that we love so much. I will also say this. The season is going to be split in half again. It's going to be 11 and 11. And the second half of the storyline is going to be completely different, kind of like Oz was, but Eddie and Adam said that in the end, the two stories are going to suddenly combine and you'll see why they did it the way that they did. So yeah. take, take that as you will as well. I don't really have any more information beyond that either, but that is something that they said, which is really interesting. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing how that's going to play out. I mean, obviously that is almost a year away now, but uh, right. it's going to be really cool to see how that's going to wrap up. Um, I will say too that there, nobody really got a chance to ask about Elizabeth Mitchell, at least not at my table. Um, and find out anything about her and who she's playing. Of course, I think that she's going to be playing the actual Snow Queen, as I stated. There are many people who think she's going to be playing the Snow Queen. Maybe and one as of them. <laughs> far, one of them, yeah. And as far as the second half of the season, I don't know for sure if this is a possibility because I don't know who owns the rights to this and if it's possible. But what I would love to see happen is for Elizabeth Mitchell to be playing the Snow Queen – who is also the White Witch of Narnia. That would be my ultimate wish list as far as who she could be. Um, There is one thing, too, that I want to point out just really quickly. In the clip of Anna and Elsa that they played at the panel, Elsa tells Anna that she has a surprise for her, and Anna says that surprises are usually hit or miss in this family. Okay. It would be one thing if she had said, You know, surprises are usually hit or miss between the two of us, considering what happened in Frozen, but she didn't. Uh She said, in this family. Now, that to me seems like a little bit, maybe a hint or a clue at something, that there is more going on in the the Arendelle royalty than what we know so far. And I'm really interested to see what exactly is going to happen with that.
2: I think that I also am one of the ones that think that Elizabeth Mitchell is going to play the Snow Queen. In Frozen, the movie, they never, they just said that Elsa was born with her powers. I think Once is going to somehow make it so that, now again, these are not spoilers. It's just what I I feel like might happen. Um, I feel like somehow if she is the Snow Queen, she has something to do with, Elsa having those powers maybe she tried to take the baby or something and I don't know you know similar to Zelina trying to take Snow's baby and having transferred some of that power to her I also think that maybe Rumple meant to capture her in the urn and not Elsa and Yes I have like that theory as well, that,
0: yeah
2: yeah since we know I mean that Elsa is misunderstood she's not actually a villain you know in the in the movies and as Dave's already said they're not really going to venture far from what those characters are in the Disney version so I definitely think that I think that that's going to tie in and I know Josh mentioned in the panel that Charming has some sort of um, tie-in with Frozen too, which I have I haven't even thought about what that could be And maybe it'll tie into the second half. But I don't know. I I think that if Elizabeth Mitchell is playing the Snow Queen, that they're going to weave it so that she has something to do with why Elsa is the way she is, why she has those powers.
1: That's a really good theory, Amy. I like it. What if the Snow Queen cursed Elsa? Mm. Hmm. Or
2: cursed her mother. You know, and then her her mother ended up having twins. Yeah, her mom ended up having twins, so the curse, you know, affected one baby and not the other, or the firstborn. So, yeah.
1: Erin, call. Erin, you're in the chat room. I see you wanting to know if you should call or not. Call. Call now. Erin, call. Call (laughs) me now for your free tarot reading.
3: Call me now for your (laughs) free reading.
1: I miss Cleo, darling. Yeah, I, I miss never Cleo. look back, darling. It's a from, <laughs> it's the now. Cleo it's from the night. Now. Now,
3: once upon a time.
1: Exactly, yes. Oh, she's calling. Erin's calling. Yay. So everybody listen, it's the last 15 <laughs> minutes of the show. If you have any questions, call us. The number is 347-677-1653. Aaron, I'm going to let you know in advance that we may not have time for a lengthy discussion on your question. We might have to keep it brief, kind of think of when people call into the radio. But call us, babe. And if anybody else, if you want to call 347-677-1653, we would love to hear your theories. If you have any questions for me about anything as far as Comic-Con goes, go ahead and call. Ashley, I don't know if you're willing to answer any questions either, but you, know, you are still on the line with us here. so. We'll I see am what happens on the line. That. I
3: will ask any questions.
1: Excellent. Erin, are you with us, darling?
4: I am here. Hello, Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you guys? Fabulous. Fantastic. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so
1: what did you want to call and talk about, dear?
4: Okay, so I have a theory regarding
1: Charming's connection
4: to um, the Frozen characters. Okay. Ooh. Okay, so I kind of have a little bit of two theories, but I'm leaning towards one. And so my first theory is that he kind of has a connection to Christoph. Because, like, you know, Mm -hmm. we know that he was a shepherd and, you know, maybe he somehow met Kristoff, I don't know, doing his shepherdy duties or whatever um, (laughs) (laughs) along the way. But my other theory, and this is the one that I'm leaning more towards, is that Eddie and Adam, I think between seasons one and two, had put the thought out there of how did Charming learn to sword fight? Because when we met him he obviously knew how to sword fight he was very good at it but yet he came from this background of a shepherd so what if somehow he is connected or has met in the past hans or one of his and they were the ones that taught him how to sword fight either you know as children or you know younger teenagers or young adults or you know something like that
1: Mm. hmm I kind of, oh, I feel like you're close to something. I feel like you're on to something with that. Hmm.
4: Yeah. So, because I I can't really see how he would be connected to, like, Elsa or Anna, and they never specifically said that that's who he was connected to, just somebody in Frozen.
1: Hmm. Part of me wonders if he knows Kristoff.
4: See, and that's the kind of the other theory that I had. It would be I could see him knowing Kristoff somehow. But I haven't quite, like, figured out where that connection might be or, like, how they would Well, because if each other. it's
1: winter, if it, well, here's how. Because if it was wintertime, wherever they were, and it was snowing and stuff, and Charming was living on the farm doing whatever, maybe Kristoff was coming through one day with a bunch of ice and needed a place to stay.
4: That could be. For the night.
1: Him and Sven yeah. needed a place to stay, so <laughs> he crashed with Charming. There you
2: go. That could I be. You know. He <laughs> bought I don't know. Ben from Tommy
1: Exactly. Oh, I really <laughs> like <laughs> it, Erin. I do think that you're to yeah. something with this stuff, babe.
4: See, yeah. So that was just something that kind of popped into my head as he had mentioned, like where, like that he has a connection, and that that thought that Eddie and Adam had, you know, two years ago or whatever, about where did he learn to sword fight, and we still haven't seen that. That's still been something that I've been like trying to, you know. Piece together and and whatnot, and you know that still hasn't been come to light, and I'm curious if that's still on their mind or not.
0: Hmm. It,
2: it could be, and I and I agree. I think it's more likely that his connection is with not with Elsa or Anna, that it's probably with Opera Hans, and I I do think it's going to end up being with Kristoff. Perhaps Charming also was a reindeer shepherd. Who knows?
1: Perhaps, <laughs> yes. Maybe that's where he got... Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I really then, want... Tra- okay, I'm I'm totally shipping Charming and Kristoff now. Charm off. Charm off. We've got a ship name. It's Charm off.
2: Uh, there you go. Oh, my God. Awesome. <laughs> it's the new bromance.
1: Exactly. Well, Charming needs a friend. I mean, there needs to be some good male companionship on this show, for crying out loud. Like, they, yes, what Sarah said, what Sarah Egan just said in the chat room, they are lacking on solo Charming background. I absolutely agree.
2: Yes,
4: I agree on that as well.
1: Totally, yeah. Hey, Erin, thanks Definitely. for calling, babe. I do have to keep it short because yes. we have another thing that we have to get to, but um, I really Not want to problem. take a call in the future because I think that you are onto something I'd love to hear more from you in the future. So, yeah.
4: Sounds- Sounds
2: great.
4: Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, Thank
1: you're you. welcome, babe. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Thank you very much again, Erin, for calling in. I love it. So we did get an email as well. We got an email from Katie, and she has a theory about Elizabeth Mitchell. So I want to read that, too. She thinks that it's a little bit of a far-fetched idea, but I'm still going to go with it, and we'll read it out loud, and we'll see what everyone thinks. So she said that there was so much love going on with Yvonne Nicole Brown. Maybe Ursula rescued Anna and Elsa's mother, and that's who Elizabeth Mitchell will be playing. Or even more of a stretch, Elsa and Anna's mother is rescued by Ursula, then brought to the Snow Queen, and Elizabeth could be playing either one of them—either Elsa and Anna. I assume you mean by either you mean Elsa or Anna's mother or the Snow Queen. What do we think of that?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like there it. Is a, there
1: is, because there's a, and I think that the reason that she might be basing this off of something that's on the internet. Um, people are thinking that the, uh, that when Anna and Elsa's parents' ship sank and frozen, that that ship, in turn, became the ship at the bottom of the sea that Ariel swims through in The Little Mermaid, and so that it's all one big connected universe. Yeah. I
2: have yeah. never
1: heard I, that. Oh, my
2: God. No? We'll have to send it to you because it actually it connects Frozen, The Little Mermaid, and Tangled. Tangled. All three, yeah, all three of them.
3: Please do. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll have yeah. to look it up and see if we can get it. Maybe we can post it on either the Twitter or the the podcast Facebook page. But yeah, I read it and I thought it was it was really interesting. And it was it wasn't talking about Once Upon part time. It was talking about. Um, you know the actual Disney versions, but it's definitely I, I loved how they kind of you know pointed out that these three things kind of tie in together.
1: Cause I'm yeah, sure it's an interesting version, theory. So. Yeah, I've seen that. I like it. So let's, actually, I'm actually going to look that up right now and see if I can find it. Little Mermaid Frozen. After reading this you will never watch it the same again. Alright, here we go. So I am going to post this link in the chat room so that everybody who's in there can see exactly what it is. What this theory is. It's from E Online. And yeah, it's got a lovely got a lovely recap of exactly what people think the Z is. So yeah, Ashley there it is, the link for you there. Um it's yeah. open. Yep, with a map yeah. and everything else. So it's it's a pretty cool theory. So yeah, um, I like it, Katie. I do. I love the idea of them connecting all of their animated movies the way that they are through Once Upon a Time. I love the fact that they could all be in the same Disney universe, animated, and just not have seen each other before. I think that's really fun because um, it's just, again, it's just that they could do a totally different version of it. I mean, we know already that Rapunzel is in tank, or is in Frozen. So those two movies are already, we already know they're in the same universe. But I just love the idea that they could be even more connected through The Little Mermaid. I think that's pretty cool. So, yeah. All right, guys, we are down to our last five minutes of the show. And, again, if anybody else wants to give us a call, number is 347-677-1653. At this point, I don't know if we'll have enough time to get to your question, but give us a call and we'll check it out. so, yeah, all in all, I will say that the Once Upon a Time panel and press room was a big success this year. I'm really looking forward to what they do with it again next year. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, Ashley, your final thoughts on the weekend?
3: I feel, hmm, I like the mood of this year. I liked, I did like how they did things a bit differently with the panel, that we had more media. um I loved their choice in moderator. I really do hope that they continue that for the future, and not just for the once panel, but for all Comic Con panels. Just uh-huh. it's really nice that to have somebody who knows what they're talking about connect, you know, make that connection between the cast and the creators and the fans and the audience. Um, I think it helps move the panels along really well, and just to have it flow very nicely. We're all kind of on the same page, you know. There's a really very awkward pausing or mispronunciation of character names. Like, they're like, oh, no, but I have this fan theory, and let me lay it on you, so we'll see if the fans in the audience agree. I, I did like that aspect of it. As for camping out, I mean, it's that's become such a culture in uh, Comic-Con, and it's funny. A lot of folks complain about it, but a lot of us really eat it up. It's kind of a rite of passage to wait in lines like it's it's it shouldn't be expected in a convention to spend 50 percent of your time in line but unfortunately the reward that you get for the wait is totally worth it because we got so many great moments with the cast and and not only in the panel but in in the in the abc castle as well like i would have never heard of whispers if i hadn't been waiting in line and watched that trailer and now I think it's gonna be one of my favorite shows. I mean Lily Ray's on it, come on, like it's just this was a good Comic Con this year all the way around I think. So I really can't wait mm-hmm. to see what they are gonna do next year as well. I'm wondering how they're going to do the booth for uh for A B C next year. I'm already, you know, coming up with, you know, thinking about how they could work in whatever they're gonna do for next season. And hopefully no more pins but I'm sorry, but
1: I am all pinned out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I is, but. <laughs> yeah. I agree. But, um, um yeah, getting going yeah. around and around and around and around is uh it's crazy when you want to see the rest of the con and yeah, so
3: Yeah, that's what Sunday's for. You get all the deals on Sunday. I definitely scooped up a bunch of free books at HarperCollins because they're like, We don't want to take these home, take them. So
1: <laughs> Nice. Um, I'll remember that for next year, so yeah.
3: Oh, stick with me and you'll never go hungry again.
1: <laughs> all right well I'll, I'll make sure to be prepared then darling yes <laughs> oh, God. i love it i love lion king references okay and can i also just say too that i love standing in line quoting oh there's a british lady letting us know we only have 90 seconds yeah. left guys actually real quick i just want to say how much i loved um quoting a league of their own with you when we were in line and that you actually picked up what <laughs> what i was saying like that was so i am a walking
3: fun. talking imdb so
1: <laughs> oh god see no wonder we're sisters for life okay um yeah cuz that's just fabulous okay everybody thank you very much for your patience during our hiatus i know that it's been hard for you guys not having the podcast if you're a regular listener cuz we got a lot of mm, cuz we got a lot of messages about it um yeah. we're thrilled it's to be it back it can't us wait <laughs> It was hard for us to. And we're very excited because the podcast is going to be back next week, and we're going to continue our summer rewatch series. We're going to be rewatching the episode True North. So that's going to be the episode that we're going to be talking about next week. So get your DVDs out. Get on your Netflix. Make sure that you take some notes because that's what we're going to be talking about. And, again, I want to reiterate that we're going to be opening up the last 15 minutes of the show for your guys' discussion. So if you want to call in and share your thoughts or if you have a question on what we think about something, Make sure that you remember that the last 15 minutes, that's when we're going to be talking to you guys next week. Um, Thank you very much to Erin for calling in and to Katie for sending us the email. Ashley, my darling friend who I love so much, thank you as well for calling in and sharing your perspective. We will see you guys next week. Have a good night, everybody.
2: Good night.